Welcome to the Battleground, Wisconsin. My name is Matt Bresky, and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action of Wisconsin. And welcome to another week from the great state of Wisconsin. Claire Zauke is out on vacation, much deserved. That means we have a guest panelist. That is Joanna Bouch. She's the Movement Politics Director here at Citizen Action. Joanna, it's great to have you. Hey, Matt. Great to be here. Always love being on the Battleground, Wisconsin podcast. Yes, you've definitely been on before. Uh, and we're thrilled to have you. And we'll talk more about one of the reasons why we have you this week in a little bit. But first, we got to welcome Robert Craig, the executive director here at Citizen Action. Robert, good to hear and see you. Uh, greetings to our and, and happy um, pre-holiday. We're almost to a, to a three-day weekend, both to our digital smart speaker and our radio audiences. There you go. Robert's covering all the platforms which you can find the Battleground Wisconsin, including SoundCloud on our website. But we got to get started. We got to get rolling. It is we've got a packed show, a lot of things to talk about, both uh, at the national level, but also here in the state. And uh, Joanna, uh, one of the reasons uh, we have you on this week, in addition to Claire being gone, is um, the big news this week on the one-year anniversary of the murder of George Floyd, um, you helped launch a new podcast here at Citizen Action. And uh, we're really thrilled to have you on to talk more about that. So tell our listeners a little bit about this big news of the new podcast you started uh, this week on Tuesday. Yes, Matt, thank you so much, you know, for giving me the space to talk about this. And I know I was on last week too, giving folks a little bit of a preview, but we officially launched on Tuesday, the This Is Not That podcast sponsored by Citizen Action. I'm one of the hosts with, along with the homies, Isaiah Holmes, um, local journalist, mo- writing mostly for the Wisconsin Examiner, and of course, my colleague, um, Raphael Smith. You know, Rafi and I had been kicking that idea around to start a podcast for a year now, and, and it really came from the murder of George Floyd, right? Because we were seeing these, um, you know, mainstream media outlets reporting on what was going on, you know, specifically with what happened with George Floyd, the murder of him by um, a police officer. And we were just sick and tired of the narrative always being wrong. You know, we're sick and tired of people talking about our communities that don't live here, don't work here, don't hang out here, um, don't know what it's like to grow up here. Um, and so we, we, you know, we just started the conversation like, man, it'd be so dope if we had a podcast where we could be centering conversations with, um, you know, around politics and race and class, um, with a POC point of view, you know, from a community organizer perspective, right. Rafi and I have been organizing in the city of Milwaukee for over a decade. Um, and, and, and so we, you know, we were just talking about that. Right. And it was always a conversation. And then, you know, earlier this year, we, connected with Isaiah um, and, he, and and bringing him into the mix was was a bonus, was like the icing on the cake, right? He is coming to us um, with a completely journalistic point of view. He's a, a fact checker. Um, I, I, I just love everything that he brings to the table. And so, yeah, it's just a bunch of Milwaukee people of color talking about politics, race, and class, you know, from our perspective of being here on the grounds doing the work. Um, and, 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 la- and Tuesday was our first episode, uh, you know, we intentionally 
wanted to launch on the one year anniversary of George Floyd, uh, you know, as our way of paying homage. Um, and and I am, I'm just so happy with it. I hope folks can take the time and, and get a listen. Uh, we're on SoundCloud. You can check us out through the Citizen Action website, Facebook page, our Instagram page. Please take a listen. Yes, this is uh, Robert. It's on our website. I don't know if it's on all the, every platform yet, but I assume it will be. I assume you'll be able to, just like with Battleground Wisconsin, ask your smart, smart speaker by name for that and it'll come up. Uh, but you can certainly do that with Battleground Wisconsin, but that takes a little while to set up. So I'm not promising that off the top. So this is great, Joanna, because part of the movement is about having a lot of voices that are that have not been heard historically in the United States. Uh, we've been limited to the police voice and the establishment voice. Battleground Wisconsin's been about the progressive voice, but uh, you're bringing that to an even, even uh, a different level. Uh, that there's also a unique voice of people who have actually grown up and live as people of color in the United States of America, in a country that is still. Uh, where there is still tremendous inequality and tremendous, uh, frankly, uh, different treatment, different levels of quote unquote citizenship uh, based on who you are and where you live. Uh, and I think there's also something about launching the podcast going on here and that this is an understanding that this is a long term fight. It's a marathon, not a sprint. I know that after the biggest social movement by the numbers in American history and the largest outpouring of white support for black liberation in American history, which was launched by the police murder of George Floyd, if you had the Hollywood movie version, people took to the streets, they protested, the system crumbled, right? And, there, and we didn't have a police state anymore, mass incarceration. That's not how structural reform happens. That's just the beginning of something. But it's a marathon, not a sprint. And we're going to be, we're going to have to build real power in order to deconstruct this system and replace it with something else, something that's based on life and true equality and which actually looks out for people's wellness and their safety, their, uh, the, the safety of the community is not what we also see at the international level, not just a militarized response to issues and not a militarized response to some people in our society, whereas hands off to others. In other words, insurrection, no problem. You're white folks, that said, or Ron Johnson. Uh, you know, walking down the street in your own neighborhood and you're African-American, well, if you're wrong place, wrong time, then the police can execute you, lie about it, use public resources to cover it up, including one of the shocking things is, anyone wants to go back and read the Minneapolis police communication on the George Floyd incident uh, the day of, you will see that public money is being used to put out straight out propaganda and lie. And it's our money doing it. So Joanna, could you tell us a little bit more about the podcast specifically in terms of what you hope to cover, accomplish, and the, the unique perspective uh, that you all expect to bring? And, and then also just our listeners who want to uh, follow you a little bit more, sort of when it's going to be on, what, the, what, what to expect. Yeah, for sure. I'll start with the simplest, right? We are going to be pushing out a bi-weekly show launching on Tuesdays. Um, and so, like I said, our last week or this week, Tuesday was our first episode. So we'll be back out in, a, in two weeks on a Tuesday with our, with our next episode. Uh, you can find us on SoundCloud uh, off of the Citizen Action Facebook page. 
But, you know, it's kind of like what Robert said earlier, right? Like, we don't have media that's centering um, people of color voices, right? The people that live in these communities that are um, experiencing extreme harm um, from the structures that have been placed, have been in place for decades, um, that were truly never designed to support people of color anyways. Um, and so, you know, sometimes we get you know, some media stories with like a, a sentence um, or of, of a sound bite from somebody who lives in the community that they're discussing. But that's not enough. You know, we're we're more than a 30 second sound bite. So you can absolutely look forward to hearing not only my voice, I, the voice of Isaiah Holmes, Raphael Smith, but also uh, the voice of other local leaders and statewide leaders um, doing the, you know, in the fight with us, in the struggle, you know, side by side on the grounds doing work um, in our communities, because that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to center the voices of people of color, community organizers that are on the ground fighting every single day. Um, I'm actually on my way to a pod, to a um, press conference hosted by Black, Black leaders organizing and communities. Uh, their executive director, Angela Lang, is going to be talking about the unfortunate recommendations that came out of yet another um, do nothing boss task force in response to um, you know some of the harm that we've been seeing in communities of color at the hands of law enforcement. Yeah, one of the things that I think, and first of all, it was an amazing first show. I loved listening to it. Again, wanna encourage our listeners, please listen to it. We got the link right on the site, go check it out. But look, uh, before we wrap up, one of the things that I think the show is gonna be amazing about is talking about the issue you were just talking about, police, Isaiah Holmes, fantastic. I mean, one of the top things he covers is police here in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, just very excited. Uh, your thoughts on potentially the podcast and its ability to really bring a light to uh, that issue. Yeah, you know, like I was saying earlier, uh, Isaiah is really going to be our fact checker, right? Like he is 100% an amazing journalist and doing real journalistic work, right? Like putting in the public records re requests, getting the facts. Um, he did an amazing um, set of articles on the Wauwatosa Police Department, and I am we're just so lucky to have him, right? He's on the grounds um, doing the work through a journalist perspective. Rafi and I are community organizers. It's an amazing combination. Well, thank you, first of all, for coming on and uh, talking with us about the show, but also for all the work that you and uh, this panel do. Uh, just it professionally, but taking the time to come together to put this podcast on. Uh, folks, it's amazing. Please give it a listen. This is not that. But with that, we got to take a break here at the Battleground, Wisconsin. Uh, we want to let you know you can always find us again at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to the Battleground, Wisconsin. Again, we're Citizen Action. For the break, Joanna Bouch is a special guest panelist this week. She was telling us about the new podcast she launched this week. This is not that. Please check it out. But uh, Joanna uh, and Robert, we want to spend a little bit of time before Joanna has to run to that press conference, uh, just chatting a bit about what's been going on here in the state this week. Uh, huge things uh, in the legislature. Um, Robert, one of the top news is, of course, the Badger Care Special Session. We've talked immensely about it. I want to thank everybody out there who's been contacting your state legislators uh, before the special session. Uh, not a shock, 
Uh, but the Republicans gaveled in and gaveled out the special session. Uh, but this is just the beginning of the fight, Robert. Uh, your thoughts on the latest with the Badger Care expansion and uh, the effort with the state legislature? Well, we have the most idiotic Medicaid policy in the country, bar none. The reason I say that is, as horrendous as the southern states are, at least they're not paying more to cover fewer people. That the, the thing Scott Walker did was it's cost us well over a billion dollars so far. And it's another another one point six billion this budget alone because of extra money the Biden administration has given in the in the American Rescue Plan to incentivize Medicaid expansion to try to bribe states to do it, to, to help their, to cover their own folks. And we still have a Republican legislature following this line that is all about politics and doesn't care about representation, governing, anything, public opinion. This is astronomically popular uh, in, 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 the, in the well over 75% to 80% range, depending on, or at least 70, depending on which poll you follow, like the Bible. And here's the thing. They thought, we are the boss. Remember, the reason they have control of the Joint Finance Committee, the Budget Writing Committee, the way they do is because of gerrymandering. And we get to take it out of the budget and make it a non-issue. In fact, what their resolution did is say, Democrats on the committee can't even bring it up. It's not germane. So Governor Evers knew they would gavel in and out, which they did on Tuesday. But it created another four or five days of wall-to-wall media coverage of this decision, which simply raises the stakes for Republicans. And if they still want to go this course, which we hope to persuade them not to, then they can face consequences of the ballot box because this will be Governor Evers's top re-election issue. It really shouldn't be. It's a no-brainer. It should have been done uh, originally in, in the early, early part of the Walker administration. And so one other thing to bear in mind is, you know, there was some criticism, including from here, that Governor Evers didn't veto the 2019 budget and demand badger care expansion. Well, there's a question. Some speculate that he's uh, signaling that he might do that. And even if you don't think that's Governor Evers' approach to governing, uh, there's also rumors that the Republicans want to force a fight with Evers because they think that, that they win when they're fighting and he isn't good at fighting. And so he needs to be prepared because if they create a budget that is so horrendous, he has to veto it. The front and center issue and the reason, the top reason for veto ought to be badger care expansion. And by the way, badger expansion stands in for the whole health care issue and people are screaming under the cost of health care and it's been made worse by the pandemic. Joanna, I don't know if you had any thoughts about badger care expansion. You know, <laughs> it's so frustrating to hear GOP legislators talk about, um, you know, they don't want to be providing or supporting any welfare programs, right? Talk about being paid for nothing, you know, and who, who, <laughs> totally. what, other, what other Wisconsinites has, have jobs where they can go to work for 40 seconds and then leave, right? Like our Wisconsin State Assembly. And I know our state Senate uh, took even less time. I think they were only in for like 10 seconds. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a joke. It's laughable. It's, it's always been laughable. Who turns down billions of dollars, Wisconsin uh, Republicans that too um, and it's just it's just funny to me when they you know pivot to dog whistles like welfare when they do, they can't even do their jobs you know what I mean like yeah 
Y'all know the story. Yeah. Share the frustration. Folks, I think one of the most important things, though, that we want to convey is this fight's not over. Robert mentioned it. Um, The key here and part of what is actually, from my perspective, is going to continue to move the governor and get the governor to engage or potentially veto or fight on some of these things is going to be the amount of pressure we're able to put on some of these Republicans and get them to feel and start to move. So I want to encourage everybody, just because they gaveled in and gaveled out, don't give them a pass. You need to contact particularly your Republican state legislators immediately, today, tomorrow, Keep calling them. Encourage your neighbors to call them. They all still have to vote on the state budget. This is just a political maneuver to try to get the pressure off. But we're not going to do that. Please keep the pressure on. Uh, With that, though, I do want to, Joanna, I know you have to, to jump real soon here, but there's one other piece of garbage moving through the legislature this week that I want to make sure you get an opportunity to comment. And that's this this shameful effort to go after transgender uh, uh, students. Uh, in a number of ways, but uh, most prominently, which has been moving nationally and is here to this state, is to go after transgender athletes uh, from and try to ban them from participating uh, in women's sports. Joanna, just get you a comment, opportunity to comment on this before you got a roll. Joanna? Yeah, you know, um, I, you know, I'm, I myself, I'm part of the LGBTQ plus family, right? I'm a bisexual woman. Um, this hurts. This hits home. Um, you know, I, I think of this, not just an attack on trans people, but on children, you know, we're talking about K through 12. These are kids. Um, and you know, like the long lasting effect of telling someone they don't belong. I just can't, it hurts my heart. Um, I am happy to know that, um, the majority of the testimony from the public that was heard yesterday in the assembly committee was against these hateful bills. Um, you know, that really warms my heart that Wisconsinites showed up. Um, and this is just like the Badger Care fight, right, folks? We got to keep calling these legislators. I, you know, I was reading testimony from one person that was in support of these this legislation saying that um, the harm that can come if uh, trans women athletes are still they that they could steal scholarships from other girls play, and playing in sports right and I, it just makes me think um maybe you should be calling the GOP legislators and talk to them about why they're trying to put a hold on Wisconsin public education right um instead of trying to support these harmful hateful bills Robert yes and I also part of the LGBTQ community and uh, as a gay man, I was going to say that this all started in Idaho. Then it went to places like Alabama and Arkansas and so on. And it's, of course, reached Wisconsin because we've had a uh, southernization of, the, uh, of Wisconsin with this right wing that dominates the Republican Party. And you might ask, are transgendered young women, high school students, middle school students dominating the ranks of interscholastic athletics? Is this, now I'm not saying that you would ban them if they were, but is this even some kind of issue in competition? Nothing, not even evidence of that whatsoever. And when I brought this up with one person, they started bringing up Bruce Jenner. I go, did, did Bruce Jenner, you know, 
is now competing in uh, what senior women's sports as a as a as a transgendered now woman. It is you know, there's nothing. This is a what they do is is and they did this with gay marriage, gay teachers before that in the 1970s was the big first mobilization, the whole Anita Bryant kind of movement, and it was to find the edge of what is offensive to conservative kind of Christians, right? And evangelicals and say that this is a big threat. And then when that becomes normalized and is not useful anymore, you just move on to the next group of marginalized people. So all transgendered people are is the latest thing that can offend and mobilize with by the right, the latest wedge issue, because they can't mobilize around gay marriage anymore or gay teachers or their other tricks. And this is true with all the other kinds of isms and othering in their system. So it's just this strategic thing. They can raise tons of money. They can get excitement. And they don't care. They're abusing young people who are extremely vulnerable. And the number of transgender teenagers that commit suicide is just horrendous. And they don't care. Do you know, stigmatized and marginalized, a transgendered girl who finally feels like she is the gender she's always been, and she's having fun on her on her junior high school or high school team, and, and she's not even the star. And now, nope, you are some other, and you don't get to hang out with your friends. It's just gross. Joanna, I know you've got a role. I just wanted to give you an opportunity to say goodbye to our listeners before you go to the event. Thanks so much, guys, for having me on. Like I said, always happy to be on the Battle, Battleground Wisconsin podcast. Again, want to just lastly plug the This Is Not That podcast. Take a listen, y'all. Um, two weeks, we'll be out with a new episode. Peace. Very good. And with that, we're going to take a break here at the Battleground Wisconsin. You're listening to us. And you, well, excuse me, you can find us also at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back the battleground wisconsin again we're citizen action you can find us at citizenactionwi.org robert you and i it's just you and i and i uh, wanted to dive into a really really critical conversation that we've been meaning to have for a couple of weeks here at the battleground wisconsin and that is um, a situation that we have a shortage of teachers teachers are retiring in significant numbers across the state now it is not it's not evenly across the state. It's, this is impacting some communities worse than others, but it is a real problem. Robert, tell our listeners a little bit more about what's been going on. And uh, of course, let's have a conversation about why this is so critical. Well, everyone says, I mean, everyone across the political spectrum, that there's nothing more important than our kids and their educations, right? On every politician of every stripe. Now, we say that about, say, life-saving medicine as well, but then we lionize doctors, uh, nurses, not as much, but we still give nurses a lot of respect, but there's a lot of issues with nurse retention as well. Uh, and by the way, there's a lot of issue with almost every uh, profession that's a female-dominated profession, because there's this attitude that teachers are the problem, we can beat them with a stick, and then people are going to be one part of this profession, right? And it's Act 10 was all part of that. We're going to blame the teachers, say they were overpaid when people of similar education in the private sector make more money. They're not well paid given their preparation and their educational attainment. 
So at the end of the day, and we've also made teaching very hard with this test and punish regime that is mechanized teaching and taking the fun and creativity out of it, rather than centering it like they do in Europe and Asia on great teachers and their unique instincts on how to reach kids and how to help develop them and awaken their young minds and develop them over time. And so, and with a huge educational bureaucracy on the top of teachers, rather than what they have in many European countries, basically teacher run schools, right? Educator run schools. And then I'm not even talking about all the critical school support staff that's equally important. You know, the school people, uh, uh, food service, the, the janitorial folks, they are a very important education as well. And they're also dumped on. And then you have the way teachers were treated in COVID. You already have had their stand economic standards gutted by Scott Walker and the Republicans in the state uh, and brought our standards way down. But now you had an idea where teachers get back to work. I need you in there so I can dump my kids at school. And this came from a lot of Democratic parents, too. And there was so much and there still is so much kind of, oh, it's safe for kids. It's fine. Well, it's fine to you, but it's not it, it's teachers now on top of that are supposed to risk their lives and their families' lives. My brother um, lives with my uh, mother who's in her 80s, and uh, she it would have been very bad if she got COVID-19. So he was very worried about being forced into school and then causing our mother to get COVID-19. This has not been a concern. And schools have not even bothered to take the CARES money and the American Rescue Plan money and do make the safety improvements that would most make people safe. And I'll just point to one thing, and that is we have known for a long time that this disease, COVID-19, is not spread by droplets. It is not something you get off door handles. It's something that's through the air. And the biggest factor is ventilation. And we have schools that are very old. 80% of the schools in Milwaukee public school system are built before 1940. A number of them are more than 100 years old. They need whole new ventilation systems, HVAC systems. There was the money to pay for those schools, and it's not just MPS. I'm, I'm not even just saying MPS. It's all over the state. Have tried to pocket the money or not spend it on that or put some hand sanitizers around. Like, that's the major source of transmission. So it's just outrageous. And we have schools all over the state now, since Matt, someone put out apparently the all clear on the pandemic warning in the middle of the uh, uh, notice in the middle of the pandemic. That was our CDC a couple of weeks ago. We've been talking about that. And so a bunch of schools are getting rid of mass mandates when the new variant that's dominant uh, spreads more among young people. And we just started vaccinating uh, teenagers uh, under under 16, and we haven't, we're not even vaccinating at all elementary school kids. So, Robert, you add to this mix, which you just laid out, and it doesn't sound like it's going to get better. Joanna hinted at it, mentioned it in her comments. Uh, the Republicans this week in, in Madison are out there talking about actually freezing public education resources in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, it is unbelievable to me, but this is, this is not going to help that situation at all. And this is also what I was hinting at in the first segment. That is the Republicans are so mad. They've grabbed every piece of power they can in this state 
that Governor Evers has the power to distribute the American Rescue Plan money and did the original CARES Act money, which would only only came because of Democrats. Uh, all, every Republican voted against the American Rescue Plan. Uh, they're so mad they're going to deliver him a horrible budget that forced them to spend COVID rescue money on filling holes. And one of the things they think they can get Evers on is education. So they're going to do something horrible, like freeze education, to try to force a fight with the governor. Because, again, these are kids in a sandbox who just want complete power and want to kick Governor Evers out of their sandbox. And they don't care what damage they do in the process. Yeah, look, it's shameful um, that we would actually be talking about freezing public education at this time. But that is the conversation that's going on. And that is the environment. And that is an environment that certainly is not going to lead to teacher retention. That's for sure. But there's a uh, one other thing I actually wanted to, to talk about that's related to this. And Robert, we've talked about this. Um, you, you were mentioning the idea that we're charging forward as a state now is, you know, you know there is no pandemic. Um, mass mandates, thanks to part of what the CDC did, other things coming down across, uh, across the state. Um, I actually, you know, had a conversation last night with a lot of local electeds and we had this very conversation. It's very similar to teachers, um, where the stuff sort of rolled downhill because nobody took responsibility at the federal or the state level for, for actually the public health and forced a lot of local leaders, school boards, teachers, people on the front lines to be taking the public hits with the public in terms of having to make the tough decisions about um, not to open, to try to be safe um, when they weren't getting really any real support from both the federal. And I'll just say also the state, the state was not providing great guidance. And it was amazing to hear from these local electeds and just how traumatized the traumatizing the last year has been for them. Many of them were newly elected progressives with, you know, big visions and ran into mobs of people um, because they were the only ones really making these decisions. Uh, the federals, feds and the states were largely ducking. Um, and so I see this as very similar uh, in, in terms of why you're going to see even more teacher exodus, Robert. Yeah. There's been a failure of leadership at all levels, and we need to come to grips with that in the pandemic because it, it applies to things far beyond the pandemic. Yes, the Republicans have been malicious and malignant, and if they're the only standard, then yes, all Democrats have been much better, right? But the ducking among Democrats has been stunning. Where's the buck stop? Remember the Harry Truman adage, the buck stops here? You heard uh, Rochelle Walensky, Dr. Walensky, the CDC uh, director, uh, when she held that press conference, which I heard live, saying, oh, it's up to businesses and to states and local government. Well, they're not going to pick it up either. You think uh, Target and Walmart want to enforce mask mandates when you've taken away all basis for it? They're not going to, and neither of these schools don't want to face their parents. These public health departments don't want to take more political it's, heat than CDC is willing to take. So it was absurd. a mass reopening. And on top of that, we have, a, we have people with immune deficiencies, pre-existing conditions, Matt. We say we care about that, that that's a big issue, and it really is. Well, we have a lot of folks who 
been fully vaccinated don't have full immunity because they have a pre-existing condition. There are tens of millions of those people. And now they can't go out in public and live normal lives because the grocery stores and everywhere else is going to be crawling with people because the idea that only the fully vaccinated would go and go and take off their masks is absurd because the other side, the Republicans have made it a political virtue to pretend there's no pandemic and like Donald Trump, their hero did, pull off your mask in, in, full, in full sight of everyone like he was some kind of Caesar who had pulled off his chains. It was unbelievable. And that's what we're facing now. At a time when the world is starving for vaccine, we've gone and hoarded the vaccine. Our own people don't want it, right? And the rest of the world, the amount of anti-Americanism building and attitude towards the rich countries that hoarded all the virus, is completely unprecedented and unnoticed by us. We are so parochial. Most Americans are worried about whether they can go back and go to movie theaters and not thinking about the pandemic being raging more than it has in the whole 17 months internationally and what everyone else thinks about us for, ha- for taking all the vaccine and not even using it. With that, we have got to go to break. You're listening to The Battleground Wisconsin. For Citizen Action, you can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to the Battleground, Wisconsin. We are about to be joined by a special guest, but before we do that, I just want to say one thing. Uh, It is worth noting uh, this week that we have a new entrant into the U.S. Senate race. It's going to be quite a battle, but uh, a senator, state senator Christopher Larson entered the U.S. Senate race this week. Uh, just to let our listeners know who are keeping score, that means we have Lieutenant, uh, or excuse me, uh, State Treasurer Sarah Godlewski officially in, who took some real, uh, was taking hits from the GOP this week, just showing probably the strength of her campaign, right, that the GOP would be going after her. And it's the second shots that they've been going after her with, uh, in addition to uh, Tom Nelson, Adegami County Executive, and Alex Lazary, and then uh, also the, uh, I believe it's a neurologist out of Wausau, who uh, we are looking forward to uh, getting to meet. Uh, and of course, people are still eagerly awaiting whether uh, Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes will jump in. But uh, Robert, wanted to give you one minute on this before we uh, go to our guest. All I'll say, because we at Cisnational Wisconsin endorse and are deep into our process already, which is far from concluded. We don't have the whole field yet. Uh, We have two candidates, Senator Larson and State Treasurer Godlewski, who are Citizen Action Organizing Co-op members. That is our, our chapter system and your sustaining member. So far, we'll see if we have more. So for Citizen Action, even if we were to only consider our members, which is not the way we endorse, we would not even have a clear situation. So in other words, and we know why this is so important. This is going to be the top Senate race, that really the top races are going to be this in Pennsylvania, uh, in the whole country, and they're going to determine control of the Senate and actually functional control. It's unclear with Joe Manchin and Christian Cinema whether we have functional control now, whether or not we have 50 Ds plus Vice President Harris. Well, and with that, one of the uh, critical areas of the state that's going to help determine who wins the U.S. Senate is going to be in the Driftless area of Wisconsin. And that is where our guest joins us. That is Ben Wilson. Ben Wilson is our Driftless 
organizing co-op leader. He is the lead organizer out there. He's also an elected official. Ben Wilson, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me today, Matt. Happy to join. Well, Ben, you are in uh, the heart of a politically critical area, uh, but that is not the reason why we had you on today. We're having you on today to talk about uh, an event that you're having next week on June 1st. Uh, that's very important around pushing back against the Roth feeder pink CAFO in Crawford County. Give our listeners a little bit more information about this really super important event and why it is so important. Absolutely. Well, no matter where we are in Wisconsin, whether we're black or white, we live in rural or urban areas, we all rely on our clean water. We all want to make sure that the water that comes out of our tap is safe to drink and that our streams and rivers are safe to fish in and swim in. Unfortunately, right now, a major factory farm in Crawford County, Roth Feeder Pig 2, is threatening that. Uh, the Roth Feeder Pig 2 CAFO is planned to be the state's largest hog farm. It is built on vulnerable uh, karst geology, and the DNR is moving forward with the building permits without so much as an environmental impact statement to make sure that the nearby Kickapoo River, the Water Table, and the Mississippi River are going to be safe from manure spills and pollution. Hey, Ben, couple of things that I just heard. One, largest, tell us, give us our listeners an idea of the scope and size of what we're talking about. And then you mentioned something some of our listeners may not be familiar with uh, about the kind of land. Uh, what did you call it again? Uh, the, the karst geology. Karst geology. Let people also know why that's so important with something so big as this CAFO. Well, the entire driftless region is built on karst geology. This is geology that it was untouched by glaciers. It has a lot of tunnels and caverns, stalactites, stalagmites. What you see on the surface isn't necessarily what's building the area. And this CAFO presents the, the possibility that manure storage ponds, which are used to, to hold hog manure, could leak into those underground taverns and actually cause um, sinkholes that would further impact our water table. Uh, this this proje uh, project is scheduled to be built about 30 feet above the Kickapoo River, directly on a ridge, which means if there's a, a massive uh, uh, rain event like the Driftless is becoming known for, those, those manure ponds could easily overflow. And in the immediate Immediately afterwards, they would flood about 30 homes with basements full of manure, and then it would fill the Kickapoo River and its connecting streams and rivers with manure. It would kill trout fishing areas, swimming areas, and it serves and it would potentially pollute our drinking water in the area. Robert? Yeah, I want to commend Ben and his rural issue team. He has a very dynamic rural issue team that has been working on this issue and developing other issues like like climate and uh, and a rural climate campaign and things like broadband so we're getting trying to get really deep on rural issues are distinct but then again they're not they're they're similar but they're different right to what everyone else faces so i mean part of me just says who wouldn't want something called roth feeder pig 2 in their neighborhood but more seriously these things produce the amount of waste of a small city in an area that has no municipal sewage system. So you got to just ask yourself, what could go wrong and how does this happen? Because 
corporate agriculture, and that's what this is, has, which is represents itself as agriculture and has rigged federal farm subsidies and state and federal policy on, on their behalf, not the behalf of small farmers they claim to care about, they have rigged the system so they're almost impossible to stop. So Ben and uh, other coalition partners and all of our co-op members can slow this down, but ultimately this is about changing over the legislature, getting rural representatives who actually represent the real interest of rural people and changing the laws. You can't just dump a huge waste producing entity like this in the middle of farmland. And then particularly a, ge a geological area has been pointed out. And furthermore, these things have a huge climate impact too, folks. So this is not exactly the way we need to do agriculture if the species is going to survive and we're not going to have a climate uh, cataclysm. And also piggybacking on what Robert said there, we, we need to fight for more funding and more power for the DNR to actually make sure that they are protecting our natural resources. Right now, the DNR in the state of Wisconsin has rubber stamped approval on every single CAFO application that has come across their desk. And that's not okay. That's not a standard we want to set. We want a Department of Natural Resources that is protecting our natural resources. So, hey, Ben, so let folks know if they would like to get involved in this fight specifically uh, about how, you know, what's happening on uh, June 1st, but then more broadly, if they want to reach out to you. Absolutely. Well, anyone that's interested anywhere across the state should email me. Ben.Wilson at citizenactionwi.org. Once again, that's Ben.Wilson at citizenactionwi.org. We can connect anyone across the state with actions they can take now. And then on June 1st, the day after Memorial Day, we are going to be hosting a press event in rural Ferryville, which is in Crawford County, highlighting the need for an environmental impact statement before any construction can begin on the Roth Feeder Pig 2 project. Um, anyone is, is welcome to join us. We, we have right now four dedicated um, speakers. And then we will, towards the end of the press conference, we will open the stage up so that anyone who's attending can have the microphone for a minute or two and talk about why clean water and talk about why fact, fighting factory farms is so important to them. We want this to be a truly, uh, a truly community-driven event. There will be press coverage from Lacrosse, uh, Madison, and regional papers as well. And so anyone uh, is able to join us for more information, once again, email me at ben.wilson at citizenactionwi.org. Well, Ben, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us uh, today. Also want to wish you well on this fight against this K-phone. Encourage folks to get involved. Thanks so much, Ben, for letting our listeners know about this and leading this fight. Thank you for having me and thank you everyone across the state who has committed to improving or working on rural issues everywhere in Wisconsin. Thank you all. Have a wonderful day. Beautiful. And with that, before we have to end this podcast, Robert, I know you wanted some final comments about democracy. Yes. As we go into Memorial Day weekend, even mainline Democratic pundits and politicians are saying that there's an outright threat to democracy now. It's stunning, and that the goal of the Republican Party is to steal the 2024 election. And in states like Wisconsin, if you can take the governorship back, to name the electors and to, to, to overcome and take over any vote count that they don't like, like just 
pull pull out Maricopa County in Arizona or Fulton County in Georgia, you name it, Pittsburgh or Philadelphia area in Pennsylvania, Milwaukee here. And the question is, if we have that analysis, which I agree with, we've been saying this a lot longer, we think it started with voter suppression under Scott Walker and the whole wave uh, it, it, you know, really got going in intensity after 2010, and we saw it here firsthand in Wisconsin. Are the Democrats, therefore, going to be able to pass voting rights and democracy reform? It is unclear whether they can, because we have a handful of senators who think somehow the Jim Crow filibuster produces good, good bipartisan government, which is not what it does. And so there's a real question. It is on us as individual progressives, not just to recognize the situation, but to act and change the situation and force the question, because it is like right before, you know, the Civil War, right before Stalin took over, you name it, or Jim Crow was imposed. We hasn't happened yet. It's still within our power to prevent it and then to build a different kind of America. So it's really it's not on them. We can't make Joe Manchin difference on us to change this context and protect the fundamental right to vote, which otherwise we're not a democracy and the whole basis of this country is undermined. With that, folks, we have got to wrap up this battleground, Wisconsin. We hope everybody has a wonderful Memorial Day weekend. Want to thank our guest, Ben Wilson. Also want to thank Joanna Bouch for joining us earlier in the program. And again, give This Is Not That a listen. We'll see you next week at the Battleground, Wisconsin. <laughs>